they were taught like to be humble, which is true. Yeah, like, mm-hmm. everyone is taught humility. But then where the humility shifts is that you are constantly be, um, being humble to everyone, to yourself constantly and to the point where you even deny what it is that you want. And then because it's like, well, what you have is more than enough. Hey, 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 welcome back to another episode of the Coachpreneur podcast your go-to podcast for coaches who are ready to become successful coachpreneurs. I am your host, Tyler Hall, and on today's episode, we are talking all things money. Yes, we are continuing on with our money theme this week. If you listened to Monday's podcast, you know on Monday we talked about pricing your programs and getting comfortable with like charging your clients and all of that good stuff. And today we are kind of continuing on that theme by just opening our horizons and really learning how to master our money mindset. This is going to be a fantastic show and I'm really excited and you should be too. And joining me today for today's Coachpreneur Conversation is the fabulous Elizabeth Bucco. Elizabeth is a certified master financial coach, and she is on a mission to help people transform their relationships with money. She coaches women to improve their relationships with money build a wealthy lifestyle, and become the best versions of themselves that they can possibly be. She is the founder of Wealth From Little and is a busy mom to two amazing toddlers. When she is not coaching, you can find Elizabeth singing out loud with her kids and dancing off beat to the music. And she is also practicing and rehearsing her imaginary Oscar acceptance speech, which is something that Elizabeth and I also have in common because I am constantly in my shower holding my shampoo bottle, pretending like I am accepting an Oscar speech, and I'll just leave it at that. So let's go ahead. Let's kick off today's coaching conversation, and let's welcome Elizabeth to the show. Elizabeth, thank you so much for taking the time to connect with me this evening. I would love to start off this conversation by having you share a little bit about uh, who you are, what you do as a coach, and really kind of what got you into the coaching world. Hi, hi, Tyler. Thank you so much for having me. Um, Yeah, so I'm Elizabeth Booker, and I help female professionals and entrepreneurs change the way they think about money so that they can start building wealth. I am specifically a financial coach. So I help um, females to put together a great plan for their future financially so that they can achieve their financial goals and overcome debt, overcome any kind of financial struggles that they may have. How? did I get into financial coaching? Okay, I, I studied um, 
chemical engineering when I was in university mm. and, <laughs> and I worked as an engineer for many years and I'd always envisioned myself, I'd seen this, everyone knew it, that um, I was going to be the CEO of my company and it was going to be an oil and gas consultancy. That was what I was going to be. And, um, and um, I remember even in, to, in about 10 years ago, I went for an event saying, where do you see yourself in 2020? And I said, I'll be running my own company, um, help, you know, providing engineering solutions to bigger companies and, and stuff like that. And, um, and that was all going well. My career was progressing. Things were working out from, in my favor year after year. And um, we started working on this really big project. And uh, the project was going to change the industry and it was going to change our company and also my life as well, right? And as the project was getting close to the end, my CEO of the, of the company I was working for passed away. When he passed away, the company's shareholders decided that they wanted to tear up the company and um, keep one part of it, let go of every other part. And the parts they were letting go of was my department. And what was quite interesting here was that I was also seven months pregnant. So I all of a sudden, seven months pregnant, I got a call saying, don't come back to work. And I found mm. out that, you know, we were being made redundant. And this is, you know, because my CEO had passed on and the shareholders had a different, different vision. This is not how they were going to run the company. And it was heartbreaking. And um, they said the company was in debt. So I was owed salary. They didn't pay the salary and neither did I get any redundancy packages or anything like that. So I, I literally was like, just done. Don't need, don't need to come back to your office. You don't even need to clear out your desk. Literally. <laughs> if I wanted wow. to, I could go back. But it was literally, I, I didn't need to hear, clear out my desk wow. if I didn't want to. And so um, seven months pregnant, I was like, wow, okay, this is going to be interesting. But here's the funny part. We were just in the middle of buying our first house. So I had um, a mortgage coming through. I had all these bills. I had um, furnishing to buy. I had like cosmetic work to do on the new house. And I just lost my job and I was seven months pregnant. And, I, and as we, as I progressed moving like two, three months into the future and then having the baby and then progressing, you know, months into, into the, you know, my, the life of my new baby, I started feeling feelings of being unwanted. And this all came down truly to the money. My identity was solely in the amount of money I was earning and in what my label was at any given point in time. So at one point, my label would have been a student and I was thoroughly excited that I was an A slash B student. I wasn't like some of my class, but I was pretty close there. Then I would have been, you know, uh, an intern 
or I would have been an engineer and all those labels sounded so prestigious and, you know, having money coming in made me feel wanted, made me feel useful. And when all that stopped, all of a sudden I'm like, so what am I? Literally was the question I was asking myself. And, and it's like, yo, well, you're a mom, you're a wife. <laughs> and those are great things I, I thoroughly um, respect and honor my, my husband and my children. But at that point, at that point, I was like, is that all? Mm-hmm. Really? Is that all? I had spent five years studying, you know, to do this. I had sacrificed so much for my company. And I felt I should have been rewarded. I was supposed to be rewarded with a promotion. And this was, you know, what I was getting instead. But where things started, I, when I, you know, kind of slowed down with my PT party, and I started looking at the good side of what just happened, I had enough savings in my bank account for a whole year so that I didn't have to work. And we had, and it was something that I know is a privilege. And it's not because I was earning a lot of money, not that at all. It was because I had always, always lived below my means and saved the difference. And I realized that so many people could have been in my position and, um, and some of my colleagues that weren't in my position, if they would have been, would not have survived it. So me being in that position was, you know, was a blessing to them because they needed every paycheck because they were living paycheck to paycheck and, and I wasn't. And I started talking with people about money, talking more about money with people. And, and I realized more and more that now that I wasn't working, I could see that even my friends and family members were on this edge of living paycheck to paycheck, you know, just, and, and it seemed like they needed to because the bills were legitimate bills, you know, that kept coming. Another thing that had been an issue for me for many years was I had always wanted to grow my money. It's like I knew at the back of my head that my job would never last forever. And, and I'd always been in, interested in investing and trying to figure out how to make money work for me. So I'm not always working for money. And I remember going to the, one of the high street banks um, near my office, booking an appointment with the personal banker there and telling him when I was around 25 that I have two main goals. I want to buy a house and I want to be wealthy, but I'm not sure how to do it. Can you tell me how <laughs> so that I know so that I know what to do now? And I keep doing the right things. I started investing when I was 19 and I had made so many bad mistakes and um, I'd lost a lot of money, you know, just not knowing what I was doing, but just having the heart of, oh, just do something. And um, my banker checked my my account and he found out that, oh, I'm saving um, like this amount for my paycheck every month. He was shocked and he said to me, just keep doing what you're doing. I said, really? Is that all? He said, yeah. And so I gave myself a pat on the back. And I said, well, I don't need to do anything else. And like five years later, I lost my job. So it was, or less than five years later. So it was like the 
he was not completely honest. <laughs> mm. That was not all I needed to be doing. Maybe at that point he thought that for my age or for that that I was doing well and eating, but I needed to be pushed and I needed education and knowledge to know that there were so many other things I could have been doing, which I found out later. But of course, I found out when I started researching this after I was made redundant. And all the things I found and I started, you know, trying to not focus on my, you know, feelings of, of, of loss and trying to share, you know, my knowledge with other people made me see that I was truly blessed in the position I was to have been made redundant and not have that financial, not go through financial hardship. And, um, and I just started sharing with more and more people how they could make their money work for them and how even though they feel they have so many bills, how they could, you know, start to plan how to make their money, to, to spend their money in a way that aligns with their highest values. And mm -hmm. as I did this, I found myself repeating the conversations over and over again. So it formed it it morphed out into a blog which which I, I I was writing weekly and then it morphed into um just like monthly trainings and and webinars and coaching as well mm. that's how that's how um I, I got into financial coaching wow that was a lot um but in <laughs> But in the most like the most beautiful and organic fashion, like it was I was just smiling the entire time listening to you share your story. And thank you so much for opening up and sharing so deeply uh, with me today. And it's I love that that you've really allowed what what I get from hearing you speak is you've always had a passion for money and yeah. it's always been something that you were always focused on. And mm -hmm. there was always intent behind the money that you had. Um, and it, it, it's something that like, I, I was just feeling all of the love that you have for money. And I think this is a great uh, conversation to have today because there are so many people who fear money, who are afraid of it. And you, you just talk about how like, you know, you wanted to buy the house, you wanted to, you know, you wanted to do all of these things, you wanted to be wealthy, and, and you wanted money to work for you. And having that mindset of really being intentional with how you are spending your money, and where it is going and, and how you can get it to work for you. I mean, it, it's something that most people don't even think about because we are too afraid to even talk about money. And mm. so I would love to know, like with your clients, with like the people that you've coached, what are some of the common themes that, that you see with people who are struggling with the money mindset? Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for, for saying that. Yeah. Um, I have always like wanted to, to have a lot of money and, and something that I didn't mention was that um, in between my tears of, of loss, 
I did have an encounter where uh, God spoke to me and said, okay, what do you want? What do you like doing? You know, when I was thinking of what I'm going to do next. And, and I said, um, I just like money. Mm-hmm. And, and, and that was the light bulb that, okay, well, how, how can you, how can you, sh- you speak about money and, and bring me glory and speak about money and show people, you know, love through that. And I think that was how the whole, that was when the whole business definitely illuminated in my mind that, okay, well, this is exactly what I'm supposed to be doing. Um, but the biggest issue that I find with my, my clients is, is for some of them, they are scared to have money. Mm. They want to earn more. They really want to earn more. But when I, I find out why, most of the time it's to give it all away. They want to earn more and, and, and just be able to give it all. They're very giving. They're, you know, it's, it's a loving loving emotion to give and, and you feel loved when you give and you enjoy the process of giving. And it is important to give, but not all of your money. Like we breathe air, but we don't breathe all of it out. <laughs> <laughs> Otherwise you'll die. You know, your brain needs oxygen, your lungs, your organs, every part of our blood, every part of our body needs oxygen to survive. So you breathe in air, you keep some in. And the same with money to survive, you need to, keep some to yourself so that you're able to continue to love and support people but I do find that many are scared to have it like once you once they get if they get a sum of money it just needs to to go somewhere <laughs> and it will be spent in like very quickly on mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and something will something if you do you know you have no plan for your money something will will definitely um, come looking for your money. And, and then for, for those who are not scared to have money, I do find that they feel, or constantly feel like they don't know what to do. Either they don't know what to do with their money or they don't know what to do to make more money. And so they just do nothing or they just remain where they are, um, which in either you know in, in either scenario is not their highest financial potential um so and and the idea that we don't know what to do is not completely true because when they tell me that they don't know what to do but they found me so you i know that deep down they do know <laughs> that they need to be doing something but you know, but then they think that they don't know what to do. But most of the time we do. And I've been there where I thought I didn't know what to do. I, you know, and, and I went out looking for help when I went to that bank manager to say, I don't know what to do, but I know I want something. And when he told me, you don't need to do anything else. What you're doing is fine. I knew that was not true because I was already doing what I was doing. And if I knew that, that what I was doing was fine, I wouldn't have gone to look for help. And for people who think that they don't know what to do, like, or even, for example, let's take a a scenario. Maybe you're someone's in a lot of debt and every month a new emergency comes up and they haven't finished paying off the last emergency and then something new comes up and then their grandma breaks a hip and they need to support their grandma. And then their kid is off school because the kid is 
is unwell and so now they can't go to work because they need to take care of the kid and like just one thing after the other right mm-hmm. <laughs> either taking their time their energy or most of the time their their money and so they don't they feel like they don't they definitely don't have enough and then you know they're getting sucked deeper and deeper in depth depth and then they feel like they don't know what to do like how do I get out of this most of the time they do know that one thing they need to do is you know they do have an idea of one thing that they could do to 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 get out of that most of the time it's either getting help from someone else getting advice from somewhere else but the thing is um what holds us back in those situations is just the fear and the, the discomfort of trying something new even when it's something that can help you you know like even you know speaking to someone and they telling you like I can really help you with this that it's it can it will be okay and then feeling like hmm, but will it though <laughs> and then they they stay stuck in 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 that same cycle because they're more familiar with the pain and the discomfort of things just constantly happening and the drama one drama after the other they actually secretly enjoy it I found those two things, um, not being able to have money and just let it be your savings account without you needing to spend it and the feeling that, oh, I don't know what I should do. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm sitting here absorbing all of this, just thinking about my own personal relationship with money. And I, I mean, I, I'm, I'm just having all of these little ahas moments as, <laughs> as you're talking, because I, I think it's like, as coaches, one of the hardest things that that coaches face is being confident enough to ask their clients to pay for their services and to and to price their packages and their programs, you know, and and make it worth you know make that investment worth their time and energy and and talents and you know I'm thinking of like myself and my own journey of like for me, I always wanted money but I was always afraid to actually declare that out loud to actually there was almost like some shame around Mm. me wanting to be a rich person um because I come from a very poor family you know with Mm. my my money mindsets were always like you have to work hard in order Mm -hmm. to make any sort of money and even when you work hard it's still not enough you know it was kind of that that mentality and I think for me and and just sharing from from my background of like it took me forever to actually wake up and declare one day that it was like no I want to be wealthy and I want to build a successful business that makes a lot of money and and I love what you're saying about like having to keep money in our possession um mm. like that whole relationship with like oxygen like we don't give off all of our oxygen because then we would die. <laughs> and with me, that's how I am with money is like the minute money comes in, it's like already spent. I already know where it's going. And I'm just like, I'm just realizing like, I still have money work to do on my end, but like for coaches who are struggling with building their own, building their confidence with money, building their relationship with money, 
what techniques do you have as, as a financial coach that help that you've used with your clients that might help coaches develop a better relationship with money? Yeah. Thank you for sharing your experience there. Um, one thing that I, I do know is if when, when people constantly feel like, Oh, as the money comes, it's constantly gone. And sometimes it's genuinely gone because there are genuine bills that need to be paid. Right. And in that, those scenarios, I always share that it's a hint that you need to expand your earning potential. And that is just expanding how much you earn per, you know, each month, right? And uh, one can do that in, in a variety of ways, you know, bringing in new packages, um, repackaging offers and positioning them differently or strategically. And so that that would help. And then once and when that comes, when that inf new influx comes, the idea would be to, you know, just leave your lifestyle the same. Leave your lifestyle the same of, uh, as long as it's not, you know, it's not like deprivating. Um, but if it's, you know, it's comfortable, if it's a comfort, if you're in, you know, it's something that you enjoy. And then continue building that, building that, reserve until you're you get to the position of having way more than enough and, and with you know good financial strategies you can you know invest grow your money and you know upgrade your lifestyle in that sense as well um for for those who are who feel like who who don't have okay let me put this put it this way <laughs> just trying to get find my words and, and my and my ideas in my head I find that when I'm and I'm sure you might have experienced this before when it's like when something happens and you need to pay something it's like whoa you find the money to do it right when something is really urgent mm -hmm. um i'll give you an example like let's say i, I um, saw a message and it was like there was a bill coming and it was going to be around eight thousand and i was like okay i want to raise extra eight thousand how am i going to do this and immediately i put that as if it was do or die like i need to do this so what do I have within me that can help me get to this goal and by doing that I found I know I I, I found myself bringing out my offers adding bonuses and offering them to people and getting more people to to buy into it and so that I could get to this goal and in less than 24 hours I had gotten halfway so, because I, you know, because I wanted to get to this extra, I wanted this extra to cover this new bill that was coming in, but I didn't want to, I didn't want to shrink to cover it, which is like going to, you know, reserves or going to what I had or going to um, what I hadn't planned for, you know, using money I hadn't planned for that. I wanted it to come out from the abundance, from the overflow of my gifts, of my talents. And so that was how I, I, I positioned that. 
And for people, I think that this can work for anyone, even you know, any coach. Once you decide in your heart that, and for everyone, we have this, there's a minimum amount that you, you, you earn and you know that if you earn less than this, you're going to be broke and probably homeless, right? For some people, it's maybe the cost of their accommodation, mortgage, food and electricity. So for example, let's say all that comes to, just for the sake of a round figure, all that comes to, let's say $1,000 a month, right? Probably mm-hmm. not, but just, just for the sake of a round <laughs> we, figure. We, we would love that if it was $1,000 <laughs> yeah, exactly. a month. <laughs> yeah. So if everything you, everything you needed to earn is $1,000 a month. So if you are earning $1,000 a month, you would be able to live, live and pay off all your bills, your food, your electricity, your transport, but you wouldn't have like an extravagant life, but it's just going to be just enough, right? And you're not going to be broke because you have no debt. Now, let's say you, and, and, and you would know that you have to make $1,000 a month. So if you went somewhere and like just randomly, let's say we're not coaches, you went somewhere, or even if we're coaches, you went somewhere and someone said, Oh yeah, you, can you do this job for me and I'll pay you 250? And you calculate how long is this job? They say, oh, yeah, you work for me for a month and I'll pay you 250. Like, no brainer. I don't think anyone would take that job. Mm-hmm. Because you already know that you need a thousand dollars for the month. So you'll be like, okay, I'm coming back. Let me go and see if I can find something better. You look for how you can work for a month and earn a thousand dollars. And once you get to that thousand dollars, for most people, they relax. They take a sigh breath. Okay, I'm going to be. I'm not going to be homeless, so I'll be okay. But for someone else, if their base needs, you know, their rent, their mortgage, or mortgage or food or expenses, that is ten thousand dollars a month, right? They mm-hmm. would not take a job that is a thousand dollars a month or five because they're going to be homeless in a month if they can't pay their mortgage and the banks will take the house away well not so quick but um <laughs> do you get what i mean mm-hmm. they they would be they'll be homeless and for someone else whose base is fifty thousand, and and you you see that all around the world everyone has different different um you know their basic needs are completely different even you know in different states different countries different depending on you know the standard of living their basics their basic needs are completely different yet they are all able to make that basic need and everyone is saying things like oh yeah i'm broke but yeah i just paid my bills i'm broke but no one is asking how much are your bills but everyone's saying the same thing and when you do ask them someone is going to say 10,000 1,000 5,000 7,000 so we all have the ability to make that. Now, if you, if we decide anyone, and we can all do this because your, your mind doesn't necessarily know like what your bills should be or shouldn't be unless you tell it that, right? If you decide, even though you're on a thousand dollars, that actually my base is 10,000 and you decide that I need to make 10,000 so that I can survive and I can leave and I can, and it becomes as urgent for you as it was when you were going to make 1000, you would find a way to do it as well. Mm. But what happens is that most people don't have that urgency 
And when the urgency is in there, then the, the fear of what other people will think of them, the judgment of what other people will think of them, and all the other procrastination and overwhelm comes in and, and just takes over. And it's much more stronger than the urgency to increase their income. This is fascinating. And I've never thought of it the way you have just described it because, and I, and I'll tell you, you're sitting here talking and my head's going, okay. And then she's going to say this, and then she's going to say this. And I've heard this before. And what I, and what I'm referring to is my mind was like, oh, she's going to tell me to minimalize or to, you know, find ways where I can cut, you know, or <laughs> shrink down. And what okay. you're actually saying, and this is fascinating. This is making my mind go all over the place because it's telling a lot about who I am and how my mind works. But what you're saying is, you know, you take your baseline of, you know, say it's a thousand dollars a month that you have to make and then increase it, you know, double it, triple it, quadruple it, however much you want to add to that. And make that your new baseline of okay, each month I have to make yeah three thousand dollars or four thousand dollars or whatever that number is, and make that your urgency point. And that mm-hmm. way you're covering you're covering the basic needs, mm-hmm. plus you're making more because you've now created that new basic need of like this is what I absolutely need in order to survive. Yes. And I yes, exactly. I, and if you put the same feelings that you would as if you were, oh, it's $1,000 a month is what you need for rent, food, transport, electricity, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. If you put that same urgency, like, oh, like, I need to make this money because I'm going to be homeless next month. Honestly, mm-hmm. I am going to be homeless next month. You know how desperate you would feel? Well, I'm not saying that you should be desperate, <laughs> but that passion from that feeling, I'm not saying that you should be desperate, but I'm saying that passion that, that is in the feeling when you are thinking of that thousand dollars, when you move it into the three thousand or five thousand, whatever it is, and you move that passion in there, then you'll be able to make it. Because once you move that passion in there, and then you truly believe that you can do it. Mm-hmm. Most of us believe that we can do it. That's why we're still surviving, right? From people who 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 don't believe we can, they can do it. Most of them are maybe homeless, maybe right now or or not. You know, <laughs> things have changed. But for those who are, are are still surviving, then you do believe that you can make that if whatever the base is a thousand dollars. You truly believe, even though it hasn't happened. So next month is coming, and you truly believe I'm not going to be homeless. You have hundred percent faith that I'm going to buy the food I need. I'm going to pay the bills I need to pay and I'm not going to be homeless and I'm going to pay that thousand dollars for, you know, to take care of my, my basic necessities. And next month and six months time and 12 months time, you already know that that is going to happen, that you're not going to be homeless, but you have no idea that that's not, that you're not going to be homeless, but somehow deep inside, you have this unwavering faith that you won't be homeless. You won't be hungry and you're going to you know make this you know thousand dollars and once you truly believe that and that is that belief that I'm calling the passion right that mm-hmm. belief that you transfer to the three thousand or the ten thousand or whatever you know the next step and then once and and as you as you completely believe it it starts to happen because you will take the actions that you need to take to ensure that you have that 
you know, to have that money. Well, and I, I love this idea of like just unshakable belief, this trust that it's going to happen, you know, and this to me, and this is, I'm, like I said, I'm very new into my coaching journey. Uh, I'm developing all of these new, new identities, these new beliefs every single day as I continue to grow. And I know for me, one of the biggest beliefs that I've just kind of told myself and I'm declaring out loud is that I believe that I'm going to build a six figure business and within, you know, by the time I'm, I'm 40, I want to have a seven figure business. And, you know, I just, I know that that's possible now. And that was something that I didn't know was possible two months ago. You know, that was a belief that I didn't have in myself. And so I, I love this, like, like just like continuing to fight and continuing to to push on and to reshape those beliefs that you have um, about yourself and about money. Because mm-hmm. for me, my relationship with money has changed so dr- drastically over the last year. And it's it's been about seeing money as my friend and money as like my support you know, and not something that controls me. It's not the debt. It's not the anchor that weighs me down, but money Mm -hmm. is now the wings that give me the freedom to fly. Mm. And it, you know, it's, and you're right. it, It really does come back to getting really intentional with what is it that I want to make? How much do I want to make, you know, seeing, understanding that you have that baseline of this is what I absolutely have to make and then being able to stretch yourself and go, you know what, that's not enough. I want more. And okay. I think, I think there's this like, I think there's this like, like standard in society that we get shamed if we want more, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Yeah. And do you find, do you see that coming up with your clients uh, that oh they have that like, oh, I'm not allowed to want more. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. All the time. Um especially you know you know you see you know you see people and when we do you know we speak about or how 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 are things going for you how were things going for you when you were younger what what were things like and they were taught like to be humble which is true yeah Mm -hmm. everyone is taught humility but then where the humility shifts is that you are constantly be, um, being humble to everyone to yourself constantly and to the point where you even deny what it is that you want and then because it's like well what you have is more than enough and um it's it's a very you know funny place to be another thing that triggers this is is this idea of well you don't need that so why do you want it you know, you you have a roof over your head, you've got food on your plate. So many people don't have this, you know, so many people don't have this. This is definitely something that was, you know, said to me multiple times by different adults when I was growing up, even, you know, relatives and non-relatives. Um, one was, for example, I I didn't eat a lot as a child. <laughs> so um, I used to eat very, very little of my food. And, and loads of um, well-meaning adults would say to me, clear your plate, finish it all off. 
because so many people, you should be grateful for what you have because so many people, you know, don't have food to eat. So, mm-hmm. so just, so enjoy, enjoy that you have this, enjoy that you have this. So many people don't have what you have and that kind of, you know, words, you know, can cause someone to believe that, well, okay, now that you're an adult and you've got your, you know, nice flat or you've got your, you know, friends and you've got a good job, you've got, you know, a reliable car that you shouldn't necessarily want more than that because so many people don't even have what you have. Mm-hmm. Right. And then, yeah. you know, we go to go to school and we're taught to just follow the rules and ask for permission to do things. And so therefore, when you now decide that you want something, most of the time you you feel like you have to ask for permission to get it. But then you think that, well, so many people don't even have this. So who am I to be asking for permission to, to step out of the, out of the norm? You know, nobody in my family has this. People around in my city don't have this or in my, my town don't have this. Then, and then you start feeling bad because if you start saying you want something that other people don't have, we think that that means that we're being greedy and other people too might think that that means that we are being greedy and then we don't want to be seen as being greedy or being bad or being some form of negative word, any negative word. So, so we just decide to stay small and be like, well, I'm not going to have that because I don't want people to, to see me as bad. But when we think about it and it comes down to that, you know, feeling that people see you as bad feeling that parents see you as bad friends, adults, other people, the society, school teachers see you as bad for wanting more than you have, you know, or being greedy or something like that. Then we, we decide that we shouldn't want anything and we train our brains not to want things and we should, and just to accept what we have. The only time we want something is when, you know, we just want to shift one step more and where we are or just be a little bit more comfortable not drastically more comfortable but just a little bit more and then maybe we go for a promotion <laughs> because people have given us permission to, to come for that permission right as opposed to us stepping up and saying that we want that but i think uh, that's where it stems from oh you're like you're you're like hitting my heart in many ways right now and i one of the biggest changes that I've had recently as a coach and personally is this idea that, and this now new belief that I've developed of like, of like, not only, not only do we, not only can we have success and not only can we make money as coaches and be financially successful, but it's, it's our right to be successful. It's our right to have Mm -hmm. money. It is, Mm -hmm. you know, it is, it is a birthright that we can have lots of money and that money doesn't have to equate to being greedy or equate to, you know, being selfish or better than anybody else. Like money, yeah, it is our right to go out there and make lots of money as coaches doing what we love and money can come to us easily and money 
money is just like this really beautiful thing. And so I would love to wrap up our conversation by asking you, um, how does, in your opinion, how does somebody develop a strong, abundant mindset when it comes to money? Decide what it is that you desire. Like, honestly, like decide for yourself. And um, I think once you know what that is, whatever it is you can look for and this is a very simple way you could that uh, removes most of the work on, on anybody's part is you know look for people who have done something similar like you know going to the library and reading autobiographies of people who have done something similar so example if you want to be you want to get to the top of your field in a particular area you can find an autobiography of of someone who's done that you know in the past and there's so many um stories and books written by very successful people and as you start reading those books yeah you start reading those books you would begin to see the way they think and notice how the way they think is very different from the way, um, you know, other people do think. For example, you know, most, when people want to um, move to the next level, you will find that one set of people will be looking for help to move to that next level. And the other set of people will be looking for will be asking what they can do to get to the next set of level. Whereas the first set will be asking, what can you do for me? How can you help me maybe for free or something to, to, to expand? And so if we stay on the, on the right, which is the, the people of asking, what can I do? You can start reading books about, and this is one very simple step reading books about other people and as you keep reading about them slowly you're constantly you'll be constantly in their world and you know that <laughs> you, you don't you're not hanging out with them physically but if you keep on reading their books it's more like or le more or less like you are hanging out with them and the people that you hang out around with do rub off on you another easy step is to be around people going the same place that you are whether online or or offline as in, mm -hmm. in the real world <laughs> but if you if you can't find those people you know offline then being you know in groups online where you get to communicate and talk with other people that are facing challenges and going you know going where you're going people above you as well who already been where you've gone and you're communicating with them their mindset tends to rub off on you and those are two very simple ways of creating an abundant mindset without doing too much work. I, I love it. It's so simple, but so important to really, you know, get into alignment with what you want to go out and claim that and then start to surround yourself by people who want similar things. Um, thank you so much. You really are a wealth of knowledge. You have so much to share. And this has been an incredible conversation. And for anybody who might want to pick your brain some more or who might want to connect and get coaching from you, um, how can they connect with you? Where can they find you online? Um, well, my website is www.elizabethbooker.com. 
it's just exactly my name and so people can connect with me there or on instagram which is at wealth from little which is the name of my company mm. and on facebook at wealth from little as well which is the name of my company um so yeah please feel free to connect with me everywhere <laughs> i love it thank you so much and before we officially wrap up the conversation i always end by asking my guests one final question and that is <laughs> if you could go back to when you started your coaching journey uh, on day one, what piece of advice would you give your younger self to make the journey just a little bit easier? I think the piece of advice I would give myself was that I should enjoy the journey as opposed to, and, and progress comes with the journey. That's it, yeah. Progress comes with the journey, not, not with a particular you know, outcome or particular you know, milestone or, or, mm. or destination, but um, it, it comes in the daily successes and daily road bumps and daily hiccups mm. that, that we face. That's where it. the real progress comes. I love it. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you, Elizabeth, for your time. It's been an honor to connect with you and it's been wonderful to just have you share um your amazing insights and this has been just a, a really incredible conversation yeah thank you so much for having me it's been yeah. a pleasure to be here thank you for listening to the coachpreneur podcast you can follow me on instagram at tyler transformed and if you're a coach who's ready to be a confident and successful coachpreneur then i personally invite you to join me in my confident coaches facebook group and finally, if you haven't already done so, please help me keep this conversation going by subscribing, rating, reviewing, and sharing the podcast. And be sure to join me next time for another Coachpreneur Conversation.